Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. And we've been going through this series called Seven. Everybody say Seven. We look at the seven last statements of Jesus on the cross, and I think it's been a powerful series just seeing that in these little statements, how much Jesus, we can see his love, his power, uh, the humanity of Jesus in these statements and how it applies to our life. And today's gonna be no different. We're gonna be looking at his fifth statement. And uh, if you have your Bibles, can you head over to John 19? We're gonna look at two verses, 20 to 30, and uh, should be fairly quick. And then I'll give you the title after that because the title is literally in the passage and you'll see it when I read it. Uh, but real quick, just wanted to say uh, to just our church family, um, you know, if you don't know, or maybe you do know, me and my wife just had a baby girl, Eden. She's beautiful. And, um, you know, we've been out and about just, you know, taking time to watch her grow and make sure she's good and make sure mom's set up and, and all that good stuff. And through that time, uh, we've just been blessed by so many people here from staff to pastors, to the dream team, to the youth team. Uh, me and my wife have never needed to ask for anything. And I don't say that to, it's just, it's, I just, the reason I'm saying is because I love church. And I love the family. Like this is a family where we can get so focused on the platform and the worship and the events and realize that really the most beautiful part of our church is to day-to-day interactions with each other, with you and me, with each, like, hey, what do you need? How can I pray for you? Hey, let's, like the Monday through Fridays, the, those moments, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for everybody that gave to us, that prayed for us, that checked in on us. And uh, it means the world. And if you're here for the first time, this is what Calvary is about. And so you're at a good church and uh, it is a family here. So let's read. And I just want to say that, say thank you for sure, because you guys are awesome. Okay. This is chapter 19, verses 20 through 30, says this, later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So if you're taking notes, the title of today's talk is I Am Thirsty. Or a little subtitle, another title, because if you're into titles, here's another one for you. And I really worked hard on this one. I'm terrible at titles. And I was like, when I said this, I was like, this is actually pretty good. And so if you're taking another uh, title is When Water Thirsted. When Water Thirsted. That's pretty good, right? It's it's fire. All right, cool. (laughs) I was like, I'm thirsty. That's good enough. But then I was like, but what if I write When Water Thirsted? Chestnut checkers. Okay, let's pray. (laughs) Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you that your spirit is here. You're moving. Uh, just thank you that we, we made it a church, God. And uh, whatever we had to do, whether it was a stressful morning or, you know, just life is crazy. We're here. We're in the building. The word is open. We worshiped. We, we, our eyes are set on you. And I just pray today, Holy Spirit, you speak to us. Deposit something fresh in our lives. Challenge us. Encourage us. Heal us. Um, God, whatever we've been going through in our lives, I pray that today this, this scripture, that you thirsting would encourage us and would just do something for us and remind us of how, how, much, how much you did for us, God, the price you paid for us to have satisfaction for our souls, Jesus. 
praying for anybody here for the first time that doesn't know you, Jesus. And they're searching, they've been seeking, and they've been looking for the world to find all the answers. God, I pray today they would realize that, God, Jesus, you, you are the one, you are it, and a life with you is the greatest decision we can ever make. And so we love you, we thank you, and we give you all the honor, all the glory. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Arabian horses are trained to withstand the Middle Eastern desert. The ecosystem is, is harsh, it's, it's brutal, it's not for everybody. And so their training is very, very rigorous. And a part of that training is the trainer making sure that whatever horse he's gonna go out with in the desert is obedient to him. And so that obedient test and how they train the Arabian horses, it's harsh, but, but it works. And what they do is their method is they deprive the horses of water for many, many days, and then they turn them loose near a body of water. And as the horse gets to the edge of the water, the trainer, what he'll do is, or what she'll do, she'll blow a whistle, and all of a sudden, if the horse is learned to be obedient, the horse will turn around and come back to the trainer, who then gives them as much water as they need. It's a crazy method. The fact is, the trainer knows what his horses need and will not allow them to die of thirst. Won't, won't allow that, but they must trust him and obey him. And with our relationship with God, it's the same thing. God knows every single one of your needs and my needs and wants to supply it. That's just who he is. That's the God that we serve. But it comes with us trusting and obeying him. And that choice every single day or in this, this service today is ours to make. You see, in the heart of every single man and woman born is a deep, deep thirst. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says this, the word tells us that he, God, has put eternity into man's heart. What does that mean? Is that all of us have a God-inspired awareness that there has to be something more to life. That, that, is this all that life has to offer? I look at my life now, is this it? Is this, is this all my life is gonna come up, is surmounting to? Like, this is it. This is, like, God, there has to be more. And so the question today isn't, do you thirst? You do thirst. I thirst. We all thirst. All of mankind is searching for satisfaction, fulfillment, escapism, pleasure, uh, to be loved, to be validated. We are all looking for things that will quench our thirst. And so every day we make a choice or we have decisions on which people, places, or things are going to be the very thing that quenches our thirst. We wake up, okay, what, what, can, what, what will make me happy? What will satisfy me? What is going to get me up in the morning? And the list goes on and on and on. And I really believe this, that us finding true satisfaction in life, true completion, true contentment in our souls will depend on this, whether we choose to live thirsting for God or thirsting without God. So doing either thing. Is our life thirsting to know God more, to be more like him, to be holy, to get into our word, to mature in, in, our, in our Christianity? Or is it I'm going to thirst for things I think are going to satisfy me without God? And whether you're a believer, whether you're a Christian or not, we could all fall into this, this trap, right? We could all think we're our own gods. 
right? We could all think that one more drink is going to help us. One more hookup is going to be sustainable. One more, one more shopping spree that I'm happiest when I'm shopping because when I'm shopping, I'm getting things and I'm not focused on my life being miserable and I just shop and I'm happy because that's, I know me and that's what makes me happy. Or is it that I need more attention or I want more followers if I climb the corporate ladder and I keep getting a promotion and more money and more money, then I will be satisfied. But what do we find out? That there's still a little emptiness. There's still a little emptiness. Whether we want to admit it or not, we feel it and we know it that there's an emptiness of like, man, I'm not satisfied. And I thought that this thing was going to be it. And we're still searching and we're still seeking where disappointment follows us and follows us. You see, this way of thinking Reminds me of somebody in the Bible that I think we can all relate to. In the Bible, there's a story in John 4 about the woman at the well. Maybe you're familiar with it, maybe not. The woman at the well, what's happening in this story is that Jesus is started his ministry and he's tired because he's human and we'll get more into that, but he's fatigued. So he stops in this town and he's at this well and there's a woman at the well and he asked her for a drink. And her response is, how can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? A little context, during that time, Jews and Samaritans, it was almost like a civil war. They didn't like each other, a lot of tension, especially it would be weird for a rabbi like Jesus, a rabbi man, to be speaking to a woman like this. But look how Jesus responds. He says this, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and guess what? He would have given you living water. He would have given you living water. She says, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where, do you, where, do you, where are you going to get this living water? See, Jesus, what he's saying here, he's speaking of spiritual water. And she thinks he's speaking of living water. And just like the woman in the well, so many people, we can confuse the material and the spiritual. What do I mean? Is that we think that if we get more material, it'll fix our spiritual. That the more if I get, the more that I do, the more that I have, the more that I experience the material, things that I can see, that I can touch, that I can have around me, that are visible to my eye. If I get more material, it'll fix the whole that actually is spiritual. Because here's the thing. Uh, spiritual problems don't have material solutions. They don't. They don't. Like, like you have all the materials in the world, your spirit won't be fixed. You'll still be empty. There'll still be that, that, that eternity-shaped hole in your heart that was meant for God is love in your life to be filled. And so this woman, she's here and she's thinking, what water, what material thing can I get, Jesus? And here's the thing is that Jesus, because this is spiritual, yeah, he wants her to have this living water. He, he invites her to have a relationship with him to experience the power of living water, the satisfaction of living water, but there's some things she has to change in her life. Because as you go forward in the story, you realize that this woman is going through a lot. And she's on a journey searching for satisfaction. How do I know? Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus goes, okay, call your husband. If you want this living water, call your husband. She goes, I don't have a husband. He's like, yes, you're very right. You have a couple of them. And the guy that you're with right now isn't him. And Jesus is not saying that to call her out, to embarrass her, to shame her. No. No, because what he wants is that he wants to get to the root of the problem. It's like, if you want this living water, there's some things you need to change and stop seeking in your life in order to find satisfaction. Because what she thought is, if I can have this guy, then I have it. I'm happy. I have, I have the perfect home. The kids, my life will be complete. But he didn't work. So guess what? I got to try again. I'm going to try this guy. He goes to the gym. He's vegan. He looks good. He's got a couple followers. Like, maybe he'll be the one. 
doesn't work out. Okay, maybe this guy. We like the same Netflix shows. Like we're compatible. Like we say, you know, like our, our, our stars are aligned. We have Virgo, Sagittarius. Like it's, it, should be, it should work. Doesn't work. Next, she's searching and searching, seeking and seeking, cycle and cycle of when can I be satisfied and who's going who's gonna to bring that satisfaction into my life. The thing is, all of us live like this. It may not be in her scenario, but all of us are searching for something only to get it, be unsatisfied, and keep looking elsewhere. And we start in this cycle of over and over and over again. And Jesus has an answer for you and for me and this woman. He says this in, in verse 13. Everyone who drinks this water, the material water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It's beautiful. Because in this moment, this is why I love Jesus, is in this moment, this woman is not meant with, ju is not met with judgment. She's met with grace grace. Jesus didn't want her to keep searching. Jesus didn't want her to keep looking and looking and wasting her life. Jesus wanted her to know and wants you to know today that the answer that you're looking for is staring you right in the face this morning and he's waiting and asking, hey, when are you going to join the Jesus train and let's keep going and experience full life, eternal life, or are you going to keep on searching? Because the truth is this, it's simple. Jesus is the answer that you've been looking for. Jesus is the answer that you need. He's the answer to our broken relationship with God. He's the answer to our guilty consciousness. He's the answer to our broken relationship with each other. He's the answer to the meaningless existence we sometimes feel. He's the answer to our worries and our doubts. He's the answer to the problems of this world. It's Jesus, it's, it's Jesus. How do we fix the world? It's Jesus. Not overthinking it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make it more theological. We just need more Jesus. It's Jesus. So the question you have to ask yourself this morning is: How long do you want to keep on thirsting? How long are you gonna thirst? How long are you gonna keep going down that cycle? How, how, what's it gonna take for you to enjoy the presence of Jesus and experience eternal life in Him? You see, the only one who could truly satisfy the human heart is the one who made it. It's the one who made it. John 6, 35 says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Psalm 107, 9 says, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Love this quote by F.F. Bruce. It says, is the soul's deepest thirst is for God himself who has made us so that we can never be satisfied without him. Satisfaction you're looking for, the thing that you're craving is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I love that in our story, in John 19, what we're reading is because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of all these statements that he was saying, and because of the act of sacrifice, we now have an opportunity to join him in satisfaction through the cross, eternal life, death, and resurrection, coming up new people. So I love about this story. You have to understand the cross is not a simple event. Sometimes we can make it simple because we see it on necklaces or chains and things like that. I'm not downplaying that. But, but the cross... It was dark. It was brutal. Jesus, and we've been saying this in most of the, the, the messages, Jesus was crucified at 9 a.m. in the morning. Spent three hours from that moment in the hot, hot sun, where he said the first three statements we looked at early in our series. Up until this point, Jesus probably hasn't had a drink or food for about 12 to 18 hours. 
probably the Last Supper. So here is he's extreme dehydration, exhaustion, pain, discomfort. I can't even imagine because the cross was brutal. It was meant to make people suffer and experience agony all the time. So Jesus, dehydrated, thirsty, darkness comes, ac- comes across the land for three hours. Pastor Alex spoke about this uh, last Sunday. There was darkness over that for three hours, complete, complete darkness. Jesus breaks his silence and breaks the darkness by saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And now he says, I am thirsty because why? He knows it's time to wrap this up. The end is coming. It's time for him to give his body up and, and to resurrect and to go on with the plan that has been promised at the beginning of the Bible. And here in our story, from his fifth statement, which is the shortest, but also the most human, we can learn three things about Jesus that I think can help us when we feel like, man, I'm doubting today, or I'm searching for the wrong things, is realize that this is who Jesus is. And, and, and when I remind myself of the goodness of who he is and all he does for me, it'll encourage my soul to keep on living for him and nothing else. So the first thing you need to know about Jesus, he's a sympathetic savior. He's a sympathetic savior. You see, this statement, and I said it before, it's the most human statement. Why? Because it reveals Jesus' humanity to us. Right? You look at this story and you're, okay, well, Phil, you just told us he's the living water. You just shared some verses of saying, of Jesus declaring that if we come to him, we'll never thirst. But here he is thirsting. I thought he was God. I thought he was perfect. I thought he, he didn't feel anything. He didn't, no, no. He, he's fully God, but he's fully human. He's equally divine, equally human. Jesus was flesh and blood like all of us. He ate, he drank, he, he felt uh, what, it, what, what it was to hurt, he felt emotions, uh, he, he drank, he, he wept, he laughed, he suffered, he died. He was human beings like every single one of us. Now why, does, why is this significant? Why does this matter? Well, the simple fact is this, that only human beings can sympathize with other human beings. The humanity of Jesus enables him to relate to us in a way that the angels and animals never can. Look what it says in Hebrews 4, 4, uh, 15. It says, for we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus can get close to you because he knows what you're going through. Because he's been there and done that. He's been poor. He's had to work a, a rough job. He's been tempted. He's been suffering. He's had to go through things so you can know that when you worship Jesus, he doesn't, he's not disconnected from your pain. He's not disconnected from your feelings. He's going, hey, I know what that's like. Let me help you get through that. Because I've been there. I know what it's like to suffer. I know what it's like to be tempted. I know what it's like for people to betray me. I know what it's like to worship God and feel joy. I know what it's like to experience the peace of God. I know what it's like. You're not alone. So the humanity of Jesus allows him to get close to us in a beautiful and magnificent manner. Jesus understands us. He can be close to us because he knows. How can Jesus offer the solution to the world's brutality and violence if he didn't experience that himself? How can Jesus be the answer to all? And he's like, hey, I'm going to save the world and, 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 and I'm going to take care of all the violence and brutality, all the craziness in the world we see today. But he didn't go through it. It's not, he can't relate to us. He's, just, he's, a, he's a distant God. He just does things how he wants. And you know, he, he did it by first putting himself up to die. Jesus on the cross experienced the reality of pain, suffering, and death. He was tired. He was fatigued. There's no overthinking this verse. He said, I'm thirsty because he was thirsty. And because he thirsted, our thirst can be quenched. 
the beauty of Jesus' humanity is also how he did it. He became a human by literally humbling himself to the lowest point in his life. Look what it says in Philippians 2, 6-8. It says, though he was God, he did not think of, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, to boast about. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Humility is beautiful. Jesus displays it so well. God literally in man form, the God man stooped down to the level of human to the point where he was saying, I am thirsty. Here's the thing. Up until this point, this isn't the first time that Jesus was offered a drink. Matthew 27, he was offered a drink, but he refused. Why? He refused because in that drink was something called gall. And gall was like an anesthesia. It, it was something that numbs the pain. And Jesus goes, no, I don't do things like that. I don't do things halfway. I humbled myself to the lowest position. I'm not going to find the easy way out. I'm not going to use my divine privileges to ease the pain. No, I'm going to take all of your pain and my pain and the world's pain all on my shoulders. And I don't need anything else because I want people to know how much I love them, how much I care for them, that I'll be willing to go down to the lowest position for you and I to have the highest position. So, so I don't need that. I'm, I'm going to take everybody's sin 100% as a man and not with my God powers. It's the God that we serve that he would say, I'm going to go to the lowest position when we didn't deserve to even have him make that decision. Here we are looking at our Savior, take everything for us, 100% all of our pain. He's a finisher. If he says something, he's going to finish it. He's going to complete it. If God promised something in your life, he's going to finish it in his timing. This leads me to my second point, that Jesus is a scriptural savior. What did it say that he says, I am thirsty, so that what? So that scripture may be what? Fulfilled. Jesus cares about the Bible. Cares about what the Bible says. The Bible is full of God's promises, and Jesus keeps his promises. So in this moment when Jesus says, I am thirsty, it shows his knowledge of every prophetic word that was said about him. Because he was in this book. He was guided by this book. He, he followed this book because it meant something. It was, the, it was the word of his father. And he felt like putting his life in the hands of his father was the greatest one. And so he is like, okay, I got, I got to fulfill the promises. So what happens is in Psalm 69, 21, this is a messianic prophecy. And it says, they will put gall in my food and give me vinegar for my thirst. If you don't know about prophecy, what it is, is somebody used by God years in advance before Jesus was even around said stuff about Jesus, what he was going to do, what he was going to say, his, his achievements, his, his literally every step. And here it is. Jesus is now fulfilling this prophecy about himself. Here is the strongest evidence that Jesus can do what he promised in your life. He fulfilled what was foretold about his life. Every promise was kept. Everything that was said was kept perfectly. He did not miss one of them. So every promise on your life, he's going to keep them. Every single one of them. So hold tight. Stay strong. He's going to be there for you. He promised. He doesn't break promises. See, Jesus, in this moment, he knew every prophetic scripture was lining up for him. It's like an alley-oop. Everything was set up for him. Everything was it's like, hey, Jesus, we set it up, bro. Like, you, like, finish this thing. And Jesus knows this word and knows, okay, I need to continue to fulfill these promises. I say this, I bring this up because the cross, 
there's two aspects to the cross. There's a, a human aspect and there's a divine aspect. The human aspect of the cross is, is that God allowed hateful people to put Jesus on a cross. Pontius Pilate, Judas, uh, the Pharisees, even the Jewish people turned it, like we celebrating here Palm Sunday, the people that said, like literally Hosanna, Hosanna, were the ones saying crucify him. Hateful men, the human side of the cross allowed him to go there. But on the divine side, God allowed it and God, this was God's plan from the beginning. For, for Jesus to go on the cross in this manner. This was, this was how us, this is how we were going to have our sins forgiven. This is how our satisfaction was going to come through this method. Literally, there's one verse. Peter says it and explains it perfectly. Acts 2, 23, it says this. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of the lawless Gentiles, meaning people, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. God arranged this plan, but you did the plan. So the cross works. And the point of the message I'm trying to get across here is that God will allow people to make choices while at the same time still be in perfect control. And that's good news for you and for me. Why? Because when you make the wrong choices or when people in their life make choices about your life or, or they bring pain into your life, guess what? God is still in control and his plan for your life hasn't changed. Even though the human side of your life is ruining you, is giving you stress, is hurting you. Guess what? The divine side is saying, I got you. Doesn't change nothing. I still love you. I still have great things for you. Your family will be okay. Your marriage is going to survive. Your kids are going to come back to the Lord. You will find healing on this side or other side of eternity. Doesn't matter what's happening around you. I'm still in control. And that's good news. Don't let what's happening around you make you forget that God didn't lose control. It's like God forgot, like, oops, that slipped past me. Oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. But he's in control. He's in control. He had it planned from the beginning. The cross was him knowing. This is how it's going to happen. And even, even if Jesus wasn't betrayed by Judas, he was going on that cross somehow. Because that's how God wanted. The plan was Jesus had to lose his life. It's the plan from the beginning. He's in control. And the best way to live your life and why it's important to know that Jesus is a scriptural savior. The best way to live your life is in total surrender to God and his plans. And it starts by making this the truth in your life. Jesus on the very brink of the worst pain I can't even think about for of all mankind, he still made sure I have to make sure that this is important. I have to make sure that I, I, I fulfill my promises, that people know that this is important to me even on the most painful cross ever. The word of God is worth it. It's worth it. I'm going to die knowing and, and, and making an example that this is what gives you life. This is what gives you wisdom. This is what helps you surrender. When you surrender your life to the word of God, you can have truth in a world full of lies. He's a scriptural savior. Third and final point, and the band can come up. Jesus is a satisfactory savior. What do I mean? Well, let's just break down what Jesus endured on the cross. There was darkness for three hours. There was separation from his family, from his friends, from his disciples, the people around him. And there was thirst. Darkness, separation, and thirst. What does it sound like to me? To me, that sounds like hell. It sounds like hell. Because that's what hell is. Hell is a place of eternal darkness. A place separated from God and a place that you're going to thirst for all eternity. 
But here's the good news, don't be scared. Jesus tasted hell, so you can have heaven. He, he tasted hell, so, so heaven would be easy to get to. Jesus tasted death so that you can have life. And Jesus endured thirst so you can be satisfied. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that he could be right with God through Christ. God treated Jesus like you and I deserve to be treated so God can then treat Jesus or so then God can treat you and I the way Jesus deserves to be treated. We don't deserve the sacrifice of Jesus. We don't deserve this free gift of grace that caused Jesus his life. To be honest, we don't deserve to be satisfied because of the sinful people that we are. You're a sinner. I mean, we're all sinners. I'm not, I'm not excluding myself. And nothing I can do. And I learned this when I was 17 years old. There's nothing I can do to fix my own life. And the smart choice I made at 17 and I wasn't very smart, was that I want to give my life to Jesus and put my life in his hands and see if he can do better. And he did. And he did. I was searching. I was looking. I was like, man, I'm going through things. I'm, I'm, I'm 17. I got the world in front of me, and I feel like I don't know what choices to make. I have my own issues going on, and I just, I don't want to live my life with regret. I don't want to keep coming into a Friday night service or a church service and hearing that Jesus is the answer and say, okay, that's great, but next week. Okay, that's great, but maybe, maybe, maybe next Easter. And then go back on, my, on my, my search for happiness that I know won't work. Or today we can make a decision today not to wait for tomorrow or next month and say, today's the day of salvation. Today's the day I changed my life. Today's the day I stop thirsting, and today's the day I find satisfaction for the very first time in my life. Here's the thing about satisfaction in Jesus. The cross didn't promise a clean, easy, safe life. Because life is life, and you can't escape that. Not until we're with Jesus in eternity. It's going to be hard, because it's a broken world that we live in. But you'll be satisfied not no knowing that you'll never need anything else to satisfy you ever again, because all you need is Jesus. And your invitation is found in Revelation 21.6. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty. You thirsty here today? You tired? Searching? Weary? Disappointed? He says to you, I will give water without cost. It's free. I paid for it already. From the spring of the water of life. It's free. Jesus already, it's free. It's free. You, that's what I love about Christianity. All other religions tell you you have to do all these things to, to find eternal life, nirvana, whatever. No, Jesus says, I did all that. Accept me, surrender to me, and guess what? You'll have eternal life because I already did everything. So today, that's the choice we have to make. You can trust and obey and thirst for God and experience a life that now has eternity in the heart or opposite without God and continue to searching to your very last breath, never finding what you always needed. Why don't we stand up to our feet as you wrap up? I want to give people an opportunity today. And maybe you're here today and you, uh, you don't know Jesus. You're saying, Phil, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm searching. 
I'm looking and um, I'm just going through that cycle right now. And you feel that emptiness and you feel like you're just stuck and you're like, it's like, a, it's like hitting a dead end over and over and over again. Today, I want you to know that you have the answer right here is Jesus. Jesus is the answer you're looking for. He's, he's ready. He died on the cross for you. On that cross, he was taken off. He was put in the grave and he was in a tomb and he was buried for three days. But on that third day, what we're going to be celebrating in a couple of weekends, what we're going to be so fired up about, what's going to be encouraging to our souls is that we know that Jesus didn't stay in that grave and that he's alive today. He rose from the dead and he's alive today. He's still moving. He's still speaking. He's still healing. He's still opening doors for people. He is, he is alive and active and he wants to do something incredible in your life. But it starts with first removing that sin and accepting that forgiveness and now having a, a, a brand new fresh life in Jesus. Like I said, he, he did all the work. He did everything. And all we have to do is surrender. Literally, the illustration I can make is it's giving the, the keys of your car in the hands of Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I'm done driving. You drive. We're going to go where you want to go. We're going to do what you We're going to eat where you want to eat. We're going to do whatever you want because I'm done. And I'm tired and I can't do it by myself. And so I, I invite you, I, I, I give you that invitation if you want to receive it. So every, every head bowed, every eye closed, you're in here today and you want to accept Jesus for the very first time. You want to know that your sins will be forgiven. You want to know that one day when you leave this earth, you're going to have a home in heaven. But also while you're on earth, you'll have satisfaction. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You have the guidance of Jesus wherever you go. You want a brand new beginning, you want a brand new start, brand new life. It sounds awesome. You can have that today. Don't wait for tomorrow. The Bible says that life is but a, a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Today is your day to experience the, the fullness of Jesus. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to, at the count of three, lift up your hands. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to put a mic in your face. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Count of three, that's you. Don't, don't, don't hesitate. Hands are already going up. Praise Jesus. One, two, three. You lift up your hand. God bless you. 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 Awesome. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. Amazing. Hey, if you raise your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. And uh, this prayer, it's not some magical prayer. No, it's just... It's just us facilitating, helping you with your first prayer. Maybe you've never prayed before. But it's also wanting you to recognize that you're talking to Jesus today. You're talking to Jesus right now. He's listening to you. He's so excited. He's so pumped for you. This is you and Jesus having a conversation. I'm just helping facilitate this first one for you. And so church, for those of us that made the decision before, let's come around our brothers and sisters. Let's, let's support them. Let's, let's come alongside them. Celebrate with them. Say this prayer with them. Back them up. Peter after read prayer goes like this Lord Jesus I open my heart I invite you inside to be my friend to be my savior to be my God Lord forgive me of my sins wash me clean from this day forward I want to follow you all the days of my life Jesus I thank you and I love you and everybody said come on can we get rowdy and celebrate every single hand that went up amazing so many hands. Thank you so much, Eric. Truly the greatest, greatest, greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And I really believe from this day forward, 
you are going to leave differently than how you came in. Life's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be easy. But you have Jesus with you every step of the way. And that's the greatest news ever. You can now have satisfaction for your souls. Now, here's the best part. As a church, you want to come alongside you, help you. Because I remember at a youth camp, raising my hand uh, to give my life to Jesus. And the first question I had is, what's next? Like, what do I do now? What, 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 is, what's, what am I supposed to do with my life? And here, here's what we want to help you as a church, be a resource. First thing, come back to church. Yeah, awesome, great. Second thing, before you leave, get a very, your, your very own Bible. It's a gift from us to you because of everybody's tithes and offerings, weekly generosity. We can give out Bibles every single Sunday for free, free of charge. And that's beautiful. And so get one of these Bibles and don't be intimidated. You're like, oh, I don't know, it's going to be harder than, you know, whatever is... Whatever subject's hard for you, I don't know. And uh, this is super easy. There's resources, there's footnotes, how to pray, uh, what does faith look like. And, and I just, I want to encourage you, get one of these before you get to your car. Grab one of these. We have amazing Dream Team members. They're the nicest people on planet Earth and they want to bless you, hook you up with a Bible. And maybe if you need prayer, that's great too. But get a Bible before you head out and uh, I believe your life will be better for it. Amen? Hey church, this week, let's, let's really lean into the fact that we have the answer that people are looking for. Right, this week, Easter weekend, leading up to the Super Bowl of all, of all time for us as Christians. Jesus is the answer. It's not complicated, right? He's the answer. And so people are thirsting, he's the answer. People are searching, he's the answer. People are looking, he's the answer. It's our job now to leave the church and to go out and to bring people in and say, hey, listen to, the, listen to, listen to Jesus. Get your eyes on Jesus and have their lives changed. So I want to pray for you. We're going to sing one more time. I think we should leave here singing about that firm foundation in Jesus. Encourages us, but I also want to pray that this week you would have boldness. If you got to drag your family here, drag them here. If you got to, like whatever you got to do other than sin, get them to church. And we're going to believe that we're going to see the greatest harvest ever at Calvary and in Miami, ever, ever, ever. So let's believe it, let's get excited about it, and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you that your spirit is moving, your spirit is alive, your spirit is active. God, challenge us. Give us boldness, Lord Jesus. Give us authority in your word, God, to help those, to, to not be fearful of the gospel, Lord Jesus, that you are the answer and you'll always be the answer for what the world needs. So help us as believers, as followers of you, Jesus, to walk out in boldness, to invite our friends, our co-workers, the guy at the gas station, the lady at Starbucks, and let's believe for the greatest harvest ever. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we all said amen, amen. Love you, church. Let's sing this out and celebrate Jesus.